Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by director Michael Nielsen to discuss his documentary film, Beyond Human Nature. Beyond Human Nature explores the conflict that arises from mankind's inherent need to make sense of the world and his limited abilities to do so. The film is a first-person account of the Tom Monfils murder investigation in 1992 to 1995 and its contentious aftermath. Big thanks to Bookmans for sponsoring this episode and to Fort Worth for letting us use their song at the end. If you'd like to connect with the show, the best place to find us online is at followingfilms.com or on Twitter by following at followingfilms. Please leave us a review and follow the show on Spotify. It really does help. You can also support the podcast by going to anchor.fm slash followingfilms slash support. Beyond Human Nature is currently available on VOD. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. I almost forgot to mention this. Uh, Following Films has been named one of the top 15 podcasts on independent film by Feedspot. You can check out the full list by clicking the link in the show notes. I just want to take a minute to say thank you to everybody listening to this show for making that possible. Couldn't have done that without you guys, and I really appreciate it. So thanks, and enjoy the show. Hey, Michael, how are you today? Good. How are you, Chris? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, just the, the first thing that struck me was from a documentary filmmaker's point of view, spending literally years in this story, like what kind of a toll does that take on you to just, it, you know, I, I know that you had the the previous film you're working on, um, you know, Packer stuff that that's not that. Okay, great. You can spend a lifetime there and enjoy that um, as a green Bay guy, but then to spend it in this story, seems like that would definitely take a uh, tax on the soul. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's certainly, you, you want a palate cleanser afterwards, you know? So, um, uh, now I've, I've been producing something I'm not directing next. It's a music documentary. That'll be a nice little, you know, sugar plum, you know, thing afterwards, which would be great. Um, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing maybe I'm, you're catching me at, a, at an interesting moment because I, I, I just had, um, our screening in Milwaukee where we had uh, detective Randy Winkler and the lead investigator, John Sikowski in attendance for a panel Q and a afterwards. Um, so I've now had screenings with both sides present to do panels afterwards. Um, and that was really kind of the culmination of my whole effort, these whole nine years, which was most true crime documentaries lose the trust of one side at a certain sure. point. And, and so I, my, I, my personal goal the whole way was to maintain that posture of curiosity the whole way so that by the end they still all saw me as good faith and they could watch the movie and 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 you know like half of it of course they just like the other half of it depending on who you're talking to um but uh but you know i kind of am coming out of that from saturday and feeling like that was the most stressful part of the whole nine years to me was just really wanting to maintain that good faith posture because that's hard to do for nine years uh when you've got such a contentious story well, I would imagine, I mean, even as a viewer, immediately you, I think we go into this um, with 
preconceived ideas of what this could be. And I think the the film really is more of a litmus test of the individual than it is of the information that's being presented to you. Because I know that I have ideas going into this. So I have a, an opinion about these types of things where um, if there's even a shadow, if there's even a chance that somebody could be wrongfully convicted, I'm just automatically go down that side yep. um, just because that's, you know, such a tragedy to me to see that. Right. And I know there's other people that fall on a different side, you know, not for right or wrong. No, but but, right. And so that definitely is not the film itself though. And do you personally hold that in a, an opinion that you have on this and you just kind of try not to reflect that out? Yeah. I mean, I, as a human being, I have my own opinion as well. Um, and I know this sounds like a cop out, but like, I, I sort of feel like it's just not any more valuable than anyone else's mm. opinion who's spent time studying it. Um, sure. And I, I personally am more interested in in the opinions of the people who tried the case, who defended the case, who've tried to, you know, get appeals on the case. Like they're far more deep on it than I am. Um, uh, you know, we all have opinions on all these cases all the time uh, uh, because we're human. Um, but at the end of the day, it's you know, uh, you know, it's 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 there's these real people at the center of it that are uh, actually going to be dealing with. The consequences of the story right so um i i wanted to make sure that i didn't make it wasn't a hedge but i sincerely don't i i don't feel comfortable enough to say that i know what happened well enough to to actually make a documentary where i i, I advocate for a particular outcome or out or a particular side because i'm just i'm just not confident enough it's such a it's such a messy case um, and no matter where you fall on it, whether you think it was murder or you think it was suicide or you think it was an accident or somebody else in the mill did it, um, there's some part of it that just feels beyond human nature. And that's where the title sure. comes from. So it's just, it's just, it's too crazy. Every particular outcome. Um, so that's kind of, I think where if I have an opinion, it's more along that line, that kind of human nature observation than anything else. No, that, that makes perfect sense. And there's something um, with the explosion in true crime, you know, not only documentaries, series and podcasts and just the overwhelming appetite that our society has for it right now, that there's been multiple cases where people become convinced of something and they just run with that thread for a long time. And there's been people that have been seriously damaged in the wake of that, where that idea of there's a responsibility as a filmmaker, as a creator of any kind that you have when you're dealing with real subjects and real stories. So it's, yeah. it shows that you took that seriously, which not everyone does. I agree. Thank you for the compliment. But yeah, I, I do agree that, that that troubles me to no end. Uh, the cavalier nature, which a lot of these are made. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the kind of throwaway part of it. And that's, and, that, and that's the whole thing. That's the part that is so fascinating about stories like this. It is that thing that what, when did humanity get lost in that? And then when creators are losing their humanity in the telling of these stories, that's something that I'm not even sure that they're aware of the mirror that they're putting on themselves by doing that. I agree. I, I you know, And for me, just when I think about it as someone has to take the steps and do it, I feel, I just feel like it's a stay in my lane thing. Like I did yeah. my, I, yeah. my training is storytelling. It's not truth finding. Like, so I'm, I'm, you know, it's a different practice. It's an entirely different set of principles. Um, and I think you can get at poetic truths through storytelling, but I'm not necessarily going to find, you know, the, the missing fingerprints by doing it this way. So, um, uh, just, to, I, I, yeah, I, I wish more documentary filmmakers had a bit, uh, more hesitancy before really feeling certain that they know 
a particular that they know better than everyone else who's come to this story in however long it's been. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And then when did you decide um, to take this beyond? This is, you know, a story that's been 30 years in the making at this point. So when did you decide to start telling your version or sort of open up the scope of this story from what we had heard in the past? Yeah. So I, I was six years old when Tom was found at the bottom of the pole. Mm. So I don't remember the media coverage at all. Um, and, uh, but I, I know, you know, the lore of it. I know how it was passed down. Um, and it was after, uh, my first film was in green Bay. It was called last day at Lambeau. And it just ironically happened to be about the Packers and whatnot. Um, uh, I'm not, I don't live in green Bay. I live in Wisconsin, but just weirdly enough, it worked out that way. Um, but I was screening it in uh, Green Bay at the Green Bay Film Festival in 2013, and some advocates came up to me on behalf of the Bonfell Six, claiming they were innocent, who wanted to do this as a documentary. And I told them that I I was fascinated by the story, and they were really nice people and everything. But I didn't want to do an advocacy piece. I wanted to like I, I'd be interested in telling the story though, and like talking to all sides and everything. And they were down for that. So in May of 14, we started filming Mike Piaskowski and Randy Winkler. We filmed them over a couple of days each, 12 hours of interviews each. And then we had, you know, Cal and we had John Sikowski and everybody. And uh, then we had to raise funds for the reenactments, which we filmed in 2018 to 2019. And then we had to raise funds for post-production. Um, so yeah, nine years uh, tomorrow when, when it comes out nationwide, It'll have been nine years, uh, almost to the day since we started wow. filming this. And you, uh, you talk about the different types of media that you used here with the recreations and interviews, those kinds of things. But you did something that I really liked here with the the way that you did the letters, the way that the, you had these oh, letters, sure. and you'd have the actor come over those, and you would the images that you chose for those. I really appreciated the way you did that. That it didn't go into that type of reenactment and recreation that I think can be distracting in a piece like this. I think the way that this was handled was very thoughtful. That's a great point. I, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about that specific element in that way. So thank you for saying that. That's great. Yeah. Well, it's something that um, why I love film, um, why I'm attracted to that, because you can spend time, you know, if this is a, a Dateline episode, you have to turn this thing out in a couple of weeks and you don't have time to really, it's not that there's not talented people working on that material. It's just that they don't have the time to sit with it and think about the implications of every moment and how you're building something. And I just, you can feel that the way that this is constructed, it's very thought out and it feels like you're very measured in the approach to the material. Well, thank you. I mean, that, that's, that's certainly what we intended to do. We we were we if we were resisting anything the whole way, it was certainty of any kind. So we we when it came to those reenactments and and animations and all that stuff, we kind of had a gradient uh, based on you know how disputed is this event. If this event is super disputed, that means we need to get more abstract. So you know that's why you know the Fox Den role play scene, which is arguably yeah. the most disputed thing, is fully animated. Um, uh, is because we don't want, we don't want to be communicating to the audience that we know really anything about that. Um, uh, cause we don't beyond that statement. So, um, uh, and then if something isn't disputed at all and everyone agrees on it, like, you know, the, the facts of the first confrontation in the, in the mill, um, that that's done live action and kind yeah. of in your face, you know? So, um, trying to navigate that was an interesting creative challenge. And, and it is something that I don't even know that the viewers will necessarily be conscious of, but I think you do feel that that it does. Cause there's when you do get into animation and these other forms of media that aren't traditional talking head, telling the story that there's a distance that you create between that, you know, you have, you start with the, 
this is the one piece of information we know. This is the video that we have of this man. Everything beyond this point is speculation yeah. is kind of what you're setting up with yeah. that. And it's, uh, it's, it, you can feel that right from the very beginning that it's going down that way. Um, so can you talk a little bit about getting everybody together? Cause you say you're earning trust that just the advocates were the one that bring you on board. And then you say, okay, now I need to go get yeah. the people that are the complete opposite side of that. The people that are the true believers, they did the right thing. Yeah. They got this right. Yeah. It's fascinating. Cause I, cause I, um, on, on, cause I, I was, I think if I have one lesson that I've taken from this whole experience, it's, it's really that old cheesy cliche that honesty is the best policy. Like when I went to, to detective Winkler, I didn't hide the fact that the, the advocates on behalf of the Monfell six are the ones who brought this to me. Like, you know, and he knew it, he knew that already. He'd heard it through the grapevine. So like yeah. he, he was asking me questions about it. I was like, Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a little unsettled that you know that, but like, yes, I'm, yes, that is exactly how this happened. So did he ask yeah. you if you stole something from work right out of the right. gate? Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt a little like that. It felt a little like I was being put under the microscope. Um, but uh, then I spent roughly two hours on the phone with him, uh, just kind of answering his questions and like, you know, being an open book as much as I can. You know, I, one of the things that I learned in you know acting workshop because my background is in narrative more um mm -hmm. uh, before i came to documentary uh, it's about you know being a good scene partner is about listening and reacting right so i'm not anticipating my next line so like i when i'm talking to these people in interviews or or the pre-interviews where i'm just trying to earn their trust like i'm i do not have an objective other than to listen and to put them at ease and to and to be honest with them and make sure they're not going to be surprised by anything um you know for example so on Saturday, uh, uh, John Zakowski, the DA, uh, is arriving soon, and Detective Winkler is arriving soon, but they're not there yet. Then I see out of my car window that Mike Hearn, one of the Monfiles Six, has arrived. I didn't know that he was coming. I didn't know, so I was trying to keep them separate at different screenings yeah. because I'm I'm just trying to be respectful of boundaries and all that. So I'm immediately calling John Zakowski and, and Randy Winkler from the car, just saying, just so you know, I didn't I didn't invite him. I'm not I'm not saying he can't come, but he just bought a ticket and came. Um, and they were cool with that and all that, which is all fine. And it all turned out perfectly fine. But my prod, my my responsibility to them, I feel, for those whole nine years largely was that was trying to make sure nobody felt like I was keeping anything from them or that they were going to be surprised by something or that I was going to uh you know, make them regret anything they did, um, uh, which I think is not something that a lot of, well, there are actually a lot of documentary filmmakers that do that, but there's far too many who don't, and they give all of the rest of us a bad day. Yeah, I, I think it's more of the, um, it, it's people that don't come from it, from they find their way into the story through like a podcaster or something like sure. that. People that aren't real professional professionals they don't have that training behind it where if they were in that situation they would have invited both sides hoping that there would have been conflict at the right. screening because that's going to make a great press release instead right. of moving that other direction which is something you absolutely want to avoid which yeah. to me that's um it's that's the clickbait story that's that yes. version of it instead of um leaving with questions you're clearly just it's something salacious something sleazy and there's certain types of stories that that approach is totally fine yeah, there, there are certain yeah, yeah. things that there is a voyeuristic kind of trashy 
yep. form of storytelling that I'm totally comfortable with. Love it. Yes. These types of things. I just, I, it just sits ill with me for some exactly. reason. Exactly. And yeah. it's just not, it, it's just that there isn't only one game, right? You can play multiple games yeah. with this form. Um, and, and it's up to, you know, the, the individual maker, what they feel the ethics are surrounding the specifics of the case. Cause there's other cases that I could do a documentary about where I think I'd feel a lot more obligated to take a stance than I do with this one. Um, you know, uh, I, I asked myself multiple times throughout the making of it, am I doing the right thing? Like, am I, am I, by having this kind of sober distance, is that, is that the right thing for me to be doing? Or should I be just going more with what my opinion is? And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, no, like if I thought I really did know, that'd be much more of a conflict for me. But I can take solace in the fact that I really don't know. I really don't know what happened and that's okay. And I need to to allow that to be part of the point because I think that's why it's been around in the consciousness for 30 years is that most people really don't know. Yeah. And it's, it's those, those lingering questions that will always be there no matter what happens. If, you know, everybody, if all the advocates got their way and everything was overturned at this point and it became, then the question was, was that the right decision? Right. You have it right the first time around, no matter what you do, there's, there's not enough clarity in this story. And, um, Today's episode of the Following Films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. I'm joined today by my son, Jacob. Jacob, say hello to the people. Oh, there you go. You're already on it. So, Jacob, when you go to Bookman's, what is it that you like to look at? What do you like to get? To get toys uh, and movies and, and the coffee news. You like to look at the movies and you like to get the coffee news, the newspaper they have out front? That's yes. great. So, last time we went into Bookman's, I picked up a movie. Um, what movie did I get, Jacob? Escape from New York, but that's the name as it hurts of the, uh, ex, uh, as the cover. Sorry, sorry, I So, no, no, you're okay. Would you talk a little bit about what you see on the cover of Escape from New York on this Blu-ray that I got? So, based on this cover, you see glass shattered and also the Statue of Liberty's face fell apart because... In this movie, Escape from New York, is the introduction is a man trying to save the president's daughter, and New York turns into a prison in this movie. And there's the hero, as you can see, very strong, in fact. Oh, yeah. Now, this is one of my favorite movies. I love this movie. Now, you're too young to watch it because you're only six years old, but do you think in a couple of years from now, when you get a little bit older, you'll want to check out Escape from New York? Yeah. Okay, what's a movie that you've seen that we picked up at Bookman's that you like? Come here, talk so that people can hear you. A Little Shop of Horrors? Little Shop of Horrors, that's a great movie. So, when you're going to Bookman's, you can get movies, DVDs, Blu-rays, 4K, Laserdisc, VHS. You can also get comic books, books, newspapers, magazines, home furnishings. Uh, You can get tons of stuff there, because remember, Bookman's has your cool covered. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Can you talk a little bit about the opening shot of this film? Because it just, it sticks with you. Um, The way that you pull down on that mill with the music that you have in the background, it's just, you know, you you could show that to other filmmakers and how to establish tension in 15 seconds or less. I think you do a great job there. That's really nice. Thank you. Um, uh, With documentary, um, you know, you're discovering so much of that in the editing room. I didn't shoot that thinking that was the opening shot. Um, We didn't think that we were even going to necessarily get that shot because it was just flyovers over these mills. 
on a random day, there may not even be any smoke coming out of that smokestack. There may not be, you know, it may not be active. It might be a really bright, sunshiny day, um, totally the wrong mood. We were very fortunate that that happened to be the weather that day and that there was steam and smoke coming out of it. Um, And it became, over the months of sitting with it and editing, almost kind of this visual metaphor of just staring into this black abyss of this, you know, circle, uh, you know, that we're looking down on in this uh, uh, smokestack. Of like the truth is down there somewhere, but I can't see it. You know, kind of it's 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 a it's a you're almost you're almost staring, seeing if it can come into focus, um, and seeing if we can get closer and closer. And it was funny because I was sitting with our drone uh, photographer, and I was just telling him like, "Can we get lower? Can we get lower? Can we get lower?" And it's like because I'm, I'm worried at a certain point. I'm like, I know we're gonna crash into this thing and we're gonna lose everything, but like, get as close as you're comfortable. Uh, and uh, and it's turned out really well. Yeah. Well, it's it's that idea. I think you built the question right away. It's that question that even if you went into this without knowing anything about the story, you're looking at that shot and you're like, okay, something is in there. What is, why are we that focused on clearly we're approaching something here? Then you know what the story is. Perhaps you read the thumbnail uh, or you know the story going into it. And then you're looking down on that with the knowledge of something he was in there. How yeah. did he get in there? Those kinds of questions. And it's just something that, it's there's no real answers in this it's just the idea that i think is um really important to ask the what if we don't have the whole story or what if you think you have the whole story and you don't have it where do you stand with that you're you're right that's that's a great way of saying it and i've never really said it quite that way where it because there is the kind of obligatory question in all true crime films which are it's always going to be what happened like in some way the promise is by the end of this drama we're going to know what happened or some piece of evidence is going to come out or something like that. Um, but you're right. The Really, the question that we're asking in this is, so what do we do if we have to throw our hands up? Like, what what, what then? Like, what if, 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 if Tom's brother kind of has to sit in the uncomfortable uh, incredulity of the official story, um, but he doesn't really feel super convinced of just about anything else either? let's sit there with him. And what does that mean? What are we, what are we doing with that? Um, And, and, you you know, I guess we tried to answer that in a way that isn't words, I guess. Um, But that's where that's that, that you're right. That's more kind of what we were going after. Well, could you talk a little bit about those screenings and the audience reaction beyond the direct players involved and how people just from the community and maybe people that weren't as familiar with the story or as connected to it reacted to it? Yeah. So so our world premiere was in Green Bay because that was appropriate to do it that way. Sure. Um, and uh, that was an emotional kind of once in a lifetime experience. You know, the a lot of families there, people who were involved, a lot of people who were involved. We had like half of the Montvale six in attendance. Um, uh, and you know, there, during the Q and a portion, I was largely facilitating it between, between the crowd and the panelists, not myself. Um, uh, it was kind of a therapy thing. Uh, we've shown it in a few cities now, a little more distance, but all in Wisconsin. So they, a lot of people are aware of it, but less so. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, the, the, I've been pleasantly surprised to see the diversity of opinions that come out of the film. Um, so that's one more maybe data point that suggests that we we succeeded in our goal of not stacking the deck in any one particular direction, that people aren't coming out with one opinion. And, and you know, that's one of the other kind of ethical responsibilities that I felt I had during this, which was 
you know, I obviously have the responsibility of the people in the film that they, of the honesty and the trust, but then I also have a responsibility to the audience that may have little to no prior knowledge of this case. Yeah. I could totally screw them and just like completely make up like I, I could, if I, I could, I could hide evidence. I could do all so- kinds of stuff and they wouldn't be any of the wiser. Yeah. Um, just in the name of a good story. Right. Exactly. I could totally do that. And we know we both know that happens all the time. Yep. And so um, uh, I'm, I'm happy that people come out and are, you know, politely arguing with each other afterwards in the lobby about like, no, no, I think he killed himself because of this. Oh no, no, don't, no. It was totally a union mob thing. I know these kinds of guys like it, it's, it's, it, yeah. and I like that because it's, that's not, um, we were never going to resolve this in, in the film. So, uh, if we, if we had given a faux resolution, it would have been a failure of some kind. Oh, a- absolutely. And I think that even, people who don't watch this stuff the way that I do the volume that I do where they're paying attention. They don't just, I don't watch things like a normal audience member anymore because yeah. <laughs> that's not really my job anymore. So I, but I really do feel like people, when you're only so showing one side of it, we push back against it. Yes. That there is something internal that happens to even the most casual viewer. That's like, well, you haven't interviewed one officer this entire time. You haven't in not one prosecutor has been involved in this story. You're only showing this side of it. And unless you're just putting that forward and saying, look, this is just this half of the story. We are putting this very clearly and bluntly. This is not the whole truth. This is one half of the story. That's what we're telling, which is fine. There's a place for that. But I think you have to be very explicit or you will push people out of your narrative. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's a, that's a truth, even in fiction where, yeah. where, you know, Andrew Stanton at, at Pixar, I know has this rule that he uses called uh, the unifying rule of two plus two, where it's yeah. like, I want to give the audience two plus two, not four, because the audience actually wants to work for four. They actually yes. want to put it together themselves. And, and so they'll like, stop watching if you say four, but give me two plus two and I'll keep watching. So it's kind of a similar deal. Yeah. You're, you're, it's, it's not, you don't, you don't want to explain everything um, in that way. And a good story, a good, the truth can hold up to questions The yes, you know, when, yes. when you have a absolute, it should be questioned. It needs to be questioned. It's the idea that if you have something that's empirical, it has to be, you have to be able to say, well, here, let me raise some doubt. And then you have to be able to speak to that doubt. Yeah. You're, you're speaking my language now. The, um, <laughs> my, my, one of my founding, uh, people, um, was the writer Christopher Hitchens who died in 2011. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he he reviewed, and I, I don't mean, I, I, well, so he, he had a review of, of Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 9-11 that I don't know if you ever read. Oh, yes, he, yes, I did, yeah. Okay, so yes, yes. all right. We're very, we're okay. <laughs> so, he, so he has a line in there that has kind of become my ethos for, for documentary where he says, uh, uh, if you, you know, stack the deck, so to speak in, in one direction and give no chance to those who would disagree and, and systematically remove anything that complements your narrative, you have betrayed your craft yep. and that idea of betraying the craft that you've, you have, you have perverted the very notion of what nonfiction is, uh, by doing that. Um, yeah, that's, I, I kind of have never been able to unhear that. That's just sort of, so, so whenever I'm working in nonfiction now, if you say something that I disagree with, I almost have a stronger likelihood of putting it in than something I do agree with. Cause I just oh. want that in there. I'm so glad you reference um, that particular film and that review yeah. of the film from Hitchens. Cause <laughs> that's something that I, it, it's made me think of Moore's work more akin to Hunter Thompson, 
Yes. Where it's like yeah. this is it's it's a version of truth telling that he's writing this thing. It's supposed to be the Democratic convention in the 70s, but really it's about him just getting loaded for three days with his totally. friend. And that's yes. it. And it's like, okay, that's that's a valid story. It's not a documentary in the form that we know as documentary storytelling, but that is right. A, a subgenre. I don't know what you want to call yeah. that, but it's not. It has a different value. It's a, it's a, it's a different dance, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, honest, anytime you put a camera on somebody though, the truth changes by yes. somebody telling a story, um, especially when you're 30 years removed from the events that you're trying to uncover here, we tell ourselves a version of history. We tell ourselves a story repeatedly. And I think that we often remember the story that we tell instead of the actual events that happened. Yeah, um, I agree. There's, there's so many stories that I've told a hundred times in my life that when I recall them, I'm going through the beats of the joke of the bit of the story yeah. that I know that I'm familiar with instead of actually recalling the emotion of that exact moment. It's also uh, insightful, yeah, in your own life. If you it, it, like, I have I have a younger sister um, by about a year and a half, and mm. we will have conversations about our childhood, and I'm and it's like a completely yeah. different memory. It's like we yep. will remember the same event, but remember it wholly differently. And it's like, how is it that I picture that so differently in my head, and you have a completely different picture? Like, it just it it yeah. You have to get comfortable. Part of being an adult, I think, in some <laughs> ways, is getting comfortable with the notion of doubt and just not not being certain about much. <laughs> oh, 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 100%. That's the one thing you can be certain of that you're, <laughs> there's a good chance you're full of shit. You told yourself a bunch of lies just to get through the night and that's okay. That's exactly. fine. So as long exactly. as you don't take yourself too seriously, you'll probably be okay. I end. think that's, that's brilliant. That's exactly right. But I, I just got to say though, this is a, the type of documentary that I love. The one that it, it, it's something that invites conversation. You're talking about people walking out and politely debating afterwards that I think that you could have those conversations after this. I could imagine watching this with my wife and her having a wildly different reaction than I would to something like this, because I know where I come from. I have a point of view. And if you show yeah. both sides of the story, I know that generally speaking, when it goes to doubt, I yeah. tend to side on the people that are in question at that point. So yeah. that, that's, just, and I know that's my predisposition and I'm it, looking for things to support myself. So, and I think I have a similar predisposition for the record. Like I, I, I you know, as a citizen, uh, yeah, if the, if the, if there's any sort of doubt in a case like this, I tend to, you know, the last thing we should want in the world is, is the state punishing people for something they didn't do. That's a, yeah. that's a horrific nightmarish outcome. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I very much believe in that old, uh, quote about how, you know, I'd rather see a hundred people go free, right. Than or hundred guilty people go yeah. free than one innocent convicted. Absolutely. That's a hundred percent where I am too. Um, so it's a, uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's a, I wish there was, a little, yeah, yeah. You just, you just. There's something about this case that just, that just. I can make the case to either side, either of my side head yep. at any given moment. Well, and it's the the thing that you usually come down to is the giving the family peace mm -hmm. in the end. And when you, you know, the brother here, the family um, that has to come to peace with this, the idea that maybe your brother is at peace now, that life just they were ready to be done, and maybe that 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 is difficult to get your head around, but maybe that's okay. Right. In a sense, this was a choice that they made at that point. Um, I, I don't know which is, is the justice on one side more satisfying right. or is it that your brother might be at peace? I, I don't know which yeah. side is easier to live with. 
It's a great way. question. I wish Cal was here so he could <laughs> certificate that with you. Yeah, that'd be that'd be very interesting. I, I don't know that I would have the um, emotional fortitude to actually ask that question directly. <laughs> though, so. He would talk about it. He, he he doesn't mind these conversations, but yeah. But thank you so much for taking the time to do this and for making the films. You, you got something special here, and I definitely recommend people check this out. Oh, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. And, and it was fun to talk about everything from Christopher Hitchens to everything else. It is very cool. Well, that, that, that's usually how things go. Unfortunately, I, I go off on side tangents. So <laughs> glad, glad, glad to go it. with you, man. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for taking time. And uh, hopefully we'll get to chat again. I hope so. Thank you. All right, take care, Michael. Same. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck, give me hope.
voice crack.